Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Our scripture reading today is found in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is a New Testament book, and the best way to find it is to actually take your Bible and open it up to the first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew's Gospel. And then start turning to the right. You'll pass through all of the historical books and come to the book of Romans. When you find the book of Romans, keep turning to the right because what you find after that is a set of delightful letters that the Apostle Paul himself wrote to different individuals and different groups of people as a way to encourage them in their spiritual formation. He wanted to lift their spirits a little bit. And so he writes all kinds of different letters to individuals and to groups. Philippians is one of those letters. It's one of those books. It has four chapters. I would encourage you to read through this book at some point throughout the week. As a matter of fact, in your talk notes, you will find a scripture reading plan for Monday through Friday, if you follow that plan for this week, you will actually walk through the entire book of Philippians, and I think you'll find that to be a great read. Here's what we need to know about this particular book. It was written in approximately 61 AD, so that gives you a little bit of framework for its age and where it sits in relationship to other New Testament books. Again, written by the Apostle Paul, 61 AD. And here's what's unique about this particular book. Paul wrote it basically as a way to say thank you to the believers in the city of Philippi because they had been encouraging him and supporting him. And so what we find in this unique personal letter is it is a thank you note from Paul himself to a group of believers. He's trying to say, I am grateful for you. So here's the deal today. We get the opportunity to look at a portion of Paul's thank you letter. Isn't that great? Yes, it's great, and what we will find in this particular book is that there is a lot of joy and encouragement. Joy and encouragement. Those words run throughout the entire book, and if you read through Philippians throughout the week, you'll pick up on a lot of joy and encouragement. So if you're ever discouraged, If you're ever feeling bad about life or about what's happening around you, I think picking up the Bible is a great thing to do. In particular, I would find the book of Philippians because joy and encouragement, joy and encouragement, it is found within every chapter. That's the book of Philippians. One of the other points that is made in Philippians is that true unity and true joy can be found in the person of Christ. And Paul, in this thank you letter, really begins to push on that true unity with other people and true and lasting joy can be found in the person of Jesus. 
That brings us to the beautiful words found in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 out of respect for God and his word. Will you stand with me as I read? Here's part of the thank you note from the Apostle Paul. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? It's almost like he starts this by asking, is it even worth it to be a follower of Jesus? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then, verse two says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. These are great words. What we find in verses three and four then are what I believe to be some of the most profound words in all of scripture. Just incredible. And as I read them, I want them to fall into your heart and into your life. I believe if we were to live out what we see next, that it would solve all kinds of issues in terms of relationships. So do you want to improve a relationship in your life, whether that's at home, at work, or at school, or wherever it may be? If you want to improve that, well, scripture is clear. Here it comes, very profound words. Verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Profound. We could just read that a few more times and then dismiss, and that would be enough for us today because this is describing a way to live. Like if we just did this, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves, oh my. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Wow. We're gonna come back to this section in our takeaway time. Let's read on verse five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, here's what he did. He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. We're gonna come back to verse seven and really tease that out a little bit, especially the thought that he gave up and he took. Those are dynamic words in the construction of the sentence. So we're gonna come back to them. Instead, Jesus, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are God's words given to us in love. You may be seated. 
I would encourage you to take out your talk notes now and begin to follow along as we walk through this. Here is our sacred word for today. It's the word kenosis. All summer long, we have been reclaiming sacred words. These are words we don't use that much anymore, and so we're trying to breathe new life into them and say, let's think about this word and how it impacts our friendship with God and our friendship with other people as well. And this word, kenosis, certainly does that. Kenosis. It's a Greek word, but I also believe it is a sacred word because it helps give us a deep appreciation and love for something that God initiated for all of us. And I believe as we walk through our time together, this word will make sense and we'll have a new appreciation and love and respect for God who has done so much, so much for each and every one of us. So kenosis is the sacred word. Here's how we'll walk through this today. I'm gonna define that word so it makes sense for us. And then I wanna share some thinking points related to the word that will be supported by what we've already read. And we'll go back to Philippians 2 and interact with verse 7 and a few other verses there as well to explain the meaning of kenosis. After that, I have a big idea for you that I'm gonna give a little bit later in the talk, and that's because it is one of the most profound and sophisticated big ideas that I have ever given in my time here at Valley Point. So we're gonna save that for a little bit later, and then I'm gonna illustrate the kenosis, or I'm gonna do my best to illustrate it in an imperfect way, and hopefully that'll make sense of it. And then we'll conclude our time with some helpful takeaways, okay? So kenosis, the meaning of the word, some thinking points, a big idea, an illustration, and then some takeaways that will help all of us survive another seven days. Okay, here's the meaning of the word kenosis. In its basic form, it means this. to make empty, or you could even say to empty oneself. So this Greek word, kenosis, has the idea of an emptying, or to make empty, and when you walk through the passage, you discover this is what is said about Jesus. So let's go to the text now. Verse seven says, instead he, Speaking of Jesus, that's who we're talking about here. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. Now, do you see those two words he gave up? If you see that, nod your head a little bit, so I know you're with me. Okay, in the construction of the sentence, he gave up, that's our word, kenosis. It means to make empty. And so I think the question becomes, okay, Jesus is emptying himself of something. What is he emptying himself of? Well, the text tells us instead he gave up kenosis. He emptied himself of his 
divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So we get a great insight into the person of Jesus and something that happened to him. Kenosis, he gave up. Okay, I think this passage is problematic. And I would say I don't like it, actually. Not that I have the right to say what parts of Scripture I like and I dislike, but this one's really problematic to me because my view of Jesus is that he doesn't give up anything, right? Especially his divine privileges. And so when you read this, when you glance at it initially, it creates a little inner turmoil, and I think it's fair that we address it and think through it. Kenosis, the self-emptying of Jesus. He gave up his divine privileges. Can Jesus actually do that? Can he do that? That would be like Spider-Man giving up his spidery sense. If that's, if that's even a thing, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really into superheroes. Or Batman taking off his mask or whatever superhero you like. They have their thing that makes them special and dynamic and makes them powerful, and if they don't have that particular thing, then they are weak, and they are less than, and that's a big problem for them. Now, just to be clear, Jesus is not a superhero, okay? He's so much more than that. He is the Son of God, but the point being, did Jesus give up a part of him that would make him weak and ineffective, In other words, what does this actually mean that Jesus gave up his divine privileges? Again, I think it's very problematic. So let's think through this with our points. Here's thinking point number one. It's important for us to know that Jesus never lost his status as God. And that will continue to be clear as we walk through this. When up there came down here, when Jesus put on flesh and lived amongst us, he did so on purpose. And at no point in that process did he ever stop being God or did he even lose a little bit of that in order to accomplish what God the Father wanted him to do, pay the price for our sins. So we start with this. Jesus never lost his status at God and that should be encouraging. Thinking point number two, and I find this to be fascinating. Jesus used his status not for himself, but he used his status to serve others and in the process he was obeying God the Father. Really quite extraordinary when you think about it. Jesus, he was a human, he walked amongst us, but yet at the same time he was fully God, so he had all of this power and ability, but yet he used his status not for himself, but for the purpose of serving others. Great news for all of us, by the way. He used that status, that power, not for himself, but to serve others. And in the process, he was completely and fully obeying God the Father. Thinking point number three. The emptying of Christ was actually the adding of an additional nature, a human nature, with its limitations. His deity was never surrendered, though. 
So when we talk about the emptying, it's not necessarily a trading of or a getting rid of. It's actually an addition of a human nature with its limitations, but yet his deity was never surrendered. How do we know this? This is great. Back to the text. Instead, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Do you see the word took there in the verse? A lot of versions have the word taking as well. It does not imply an exchange. Like, okay, I'm going to give this up or I'm going to trade this portion of me and delete this from my life so that I can accomplish something over here. We look at that as an exchange, but the construction of the sentence here, the language suggests it was not an exchange, but it was actually an adding of something. One scholar actually says it this way, the Lord did not lay aside the form of God. Again, so like push that over there and I can't be this anymore. He did not lay aside the form of God. He did not cease to be God. He added the form of man. So it wasn't an exchange of, it was an adding of this human form, obviously with all of its limitations. Now, why? Why would Jesus take that step? Verse eight, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is all quite fascinating. Jesus making empty, which means he actually took on a nature with its limitations. And why would Jesus do something like that? It almost doesn't make sense. Well, he did that because he was being obedient to God the Father. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. He did all of that He walked through all of the mess of humanity and living and eventually dying in a brutal way and rising again. He walked through all of that on purpose for me. (laughs) And you got to personalize that because it's for you as well. God the Father initiated this incredible plan for you out of his great and out of his deep love kenosis. Jesus emptied himself. He took on the form of a human so that he could pay the price for our sins so that we could enter into a forever friendship with God. That's how good he actually is. Think about it this way. Jesus had the highest status possible living in heaven's first class because he's God, God the Son, And he willingly came to earth to coach, to live amongst us to pay the price for our sins. He came with a purpose. But he left first class, came to coach, so that we could have access to first coach and a forever home in heaven. That's what Jesus has done, which brings us to our big idea. Are you ready? It's very sophisticated. Wow! Wow. I mean, what else do you say to someone who walks through all of that to pay the price for my mistakes and for your mistakes? What else do you say besides, wow, there is just an immense display of God's love demonstrated here for all of us. 
And by the way, isn't this the story of the Bible? From front cover to the back cover and everything in between, it's just the story of God reaching out again and again and again to rescue humans. And part of that rescuing involved the kenosis. Jesus taking on the nature of a human with all of its limitations so that he could pay the price for our sins. Remarkable! And we say, go God and wow, because he is that good in initiating something like this for all of us. So if you ever hear the word kenosis, just know Jesus adding to himself being a human for us, for us. And all of that because God loved you and God loved me that much. Really remarkable. And that's why the big idea is simply, wow. Okay, let me illustrate this if I can. And I will preface the illustration by saying this is imperfect, okay? Because whenever you're talking about God and trying to not compare yourself, but liken how we live to how God may have lived, it just always falls short because we're sinners and he's not. But let's just go with this for a few moments, okay? A way to maybe understand the kenosis. This past week in our staff meeting, as a team, we sat down and we talked about the different roles that we all have, who we are. And we were encouraged to write that down. And so I began to write down the roles that I have. I am a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor, shepherd. I'm a child of God. And a few other roles, but those are really the big ones. Father, husband, pastor, shepherd. That's my work here at Valley Point, which I love dearly. And being a child of God, those are my roles. And you have roles, and you should be thinking about them right now. After a short break, I went back to school recently, and so I'm adding a role to father, husband, pastor, shepherd, and son of God, child of God. I'm adding the role of a student to that mix. Now, that doesn't mean I stop being a father or husband or pastor, shepherd, or child of God. I really can't stop being those things. I have just added to it another role, the role of being a student and a learner. And you guys do this all of the time. You have roles, and there are those occasions where maybe we get to stop a certain role because of a change or a season of life or something like that. But by and large, we're constantly adding to the roles that we have. Think about it this way. School is about to begin again, and I hate to bring that up for everybody because we're having a marvelous summer, and it's a beautiful day outside, but the clock is ticking, the calendar continues to roll, and at some point, everybody goes back to school. Now, if you are a parent or a student who's impacted by the school calendar, you know that your roles are about to change, and you're going to add to your roles again once school begins. If you're a student, Obviously, you become a learner once again, and you hope to catch up on all the stuff you have absolutely and conveniently forgotten over the summer. And that's fair. That's fair. But you're going to add the role of a student again, and hopefully that'll be fun for you. If you're a parent, grandparent, or a friend, you add the role, perhaps, of coach or mentor or math specialist, perhaps, try to help your kids understand math, or maybe it's a transport specialist. 
helping your kids move from point A to point B and then point C and so on and so forth. Now, the illustration absolutely breaks down because we do all of these roles imperfectly, right? Well, hopefully you agree with that. We do all of these roles in an imperfect way. I am an imperfect father and husband and pastor shepherd and child of God. I fail God all of the time. I am an imperfect student. I know because I see the grades, so I know that to be true. All of our roles we do in an imperfect way. We must understand Jesus added to himself this role of humanity and he was absolutely perfect in that role and he fulfilled it on purpose. He fulfilled it on purpose in an absolutely brilliant and perfect way. Now, I want to go back to some verses we already read that speak of the humility of Christ and just begin to think through this a little bit as I think it could solve a lot of issues in our lives and in our world. So let's go back. Watch this now. Verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't do it. Instead, try this, be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must, think about that, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. Instead, he gave up. Kenosis, the point being for us, let's follow the humble example of Christ and intentionally choose to use our status, not for ourselves, but for the benefit of others. And that's really the heart of what we see in Philippians chapter two. Follow the example of Jesus, just do this. Imagine if we lived out these words, right? Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, instead be humble. If we actually did that, what a difference that would make everywhere we go. What a difference that would make. And we follow the example of Jesus who used his status, not for himself, but for the benefit of others. With that wrapper, the kenosis, the big idea, Philippians chapter two, let me ask you a question. I want everybody to consider this now. When was the last time you used the blessings of God and I would define that as the status God has given to you. So when's the last time you used the blessings of God to help others? I think that's a really important question and one every Christ follower should be considering because if we are indeed following after Christ and not out in front or on the side somewhere or going in the complete opposite direction, if we are truly following Jesus, then we must do what he did and that's use the blessings of God, our status, not for ourselves, but to actually help other people. Two takeaways, number one, Jesus never ceases to amaze. He doesn't, and I think we just got another picture of him today 
that is extraordinary. He never ceases to amaze. So honor him today with your thoughts, with your choices, with your words. Honor Jesus today, and we're gonna actually walk through a time of communion here in just a few moments where we have the chance to be amazed once again at the sacrifice of Jesus and everything that he walked through for us. Jesus, he never ceases to amaze. (laughs) And we need to allow ourselves to be amazed again and again and again and fall in love with Jesus over and over again so that we can follow him and use the status that we have to benefit others. One more takeaway. Use your status for the benefit of others, okay? What kind of status has God given you? It's interesting because most of us don't think of ourselves as having status. We're not that important. We're not a big deal. Other people may have that, but not me. But I think all of us have some kind of status. And again, think about that as the blessing of God. You have some blessing of God in your life. And how can others benefit from that status, that blessing? So think about this. Has God given you authority in some way? Has God given you leadership or influence in your home or in your workplace or in your school? Has God given you the ability to be hospitable? That's status. That's a blessing. Has God given you wealth? That's a blessing. That's status that we can either use for ourselves or we can use for the benefit of others. The point of the kenosis is follow the example of Jesus, who though he had the rights, he chose to humbly serve others. So the point of Philippians 2, others, others, others. And we do all of this because what has the Lord required of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Father, we come before you on this day and we're once again amazed by Jesus just amazed at the plan you initiated where he humbled himself and became obedient to your will and what you wanted for him and he added the nature of a human with all of its limitations and all the pain that would come with that and he submitted to dying on a cross for a purpose, to pay for the sins of the world. And so we are amazed at this incredible plan. God, I pray that in addition to being amazed, we would choose to humble ourselves, following the example of Jesus and using the blessings that you have given to us as a way to serve others. So help us to think about all of this as we move into a time of remembering you now. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.
Today we have the privilege of experiencing communion together as a faith community. The elements are down front on the stage. There's juice and bread here. In just a few moments, you will be dismissed by Rose. At that time, please come pick up a piece of bread and a cup of juice. Carry that back to your seat. And I would encourage you, just hold those elements in your hands for a few moments and be amazed at Jesus. Look at that bread and think about his broken body and look at that cup of juice and be amazed at what he did for you, the great sacrifice of Jesus. After everyone has been served, I'll come back up and share some thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Jesus shared a meal with his followers and instituted this act. And then we will all partake together. Here at Valley Point, we practice open communion, which means if you've trusted in Jesus alone, we freely invite you to participate. And I hope that you'll do that. Even if you're here for the very first time, please come and remember Jesus. Maybe you're here though, and you're not ready to take this step or you're not interested in doing this for whatever reason, we completely understand and we want to respect that. You can simply remain in your seat. Just be sensitive to the people who may want to move around you. Again, once everyone has been served, I'll come back and we'll remember Jesus together.
1 Corinthians 11 tells us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his close followers. As part of that meal, he lifted up some bread, he broke it and said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Do this, partake in this to remember me. Let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. Scripture tells us as part of that meal, he also held up a cup of wine and said, this is my blood, which will be shed for you. Do this, partake in this to remember me. Let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. Our Father, we're amazed by Jesus. We're amazed by him, and we've had some time today just to clear out our schedules, clear out stuff that's happening, and be reminded of what you accomplish through your Son, Jesus, and how special that is for each and every one of us. We thank you for Jesus. We respond to him now. In his name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.